Hello and welcome to the Despreneur podcast. My name is Thomas Lornavichis, I'm the founder of Despreneur and I'll be your host. In this show, I'll connect and talk with top designers, successful entrepreneurs and tech visionaries. The goal of this podcast is to unlock your potential and help you build a successful business and live with purpose. Hello and welcome. Today's guest is Omar Zenholm, a co-founder of the $100 MBA, a complete business training and community online and Webinar Ninja, a complete webinar software. Thank you for coming on the show, Omar. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. I've been following your podcast forever and uh, I'd like to ask you about more and more about your background. Where, 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 did, you, where did you start and uh, how did you come to, to the place where you are today? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't, has never, have never met me in person, um, I, uh, I grew up in New York and uh, my parents are Egyptian. They migrated to America in the early 60s. I mean, my sisters were born here and um, um, I, I am just uh, kind of a guy that loves to solve problems. Uh, I actually studied uh, in college to become a teacher. That's what my profession was. I was a teacher at the high school and university level. For over 13 years, I was a middle manager, head of department, and things like that. And then uh, while I was there, I was like creating small businesses on the side, seeing if I can become an entrepreneur, if this is something that I could do. I built a little bit more confidence in my, in my, in my business abilities. Um, I started some small things in design, website design, things like that. And then um, I finally took the leap in, into full-time entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, and um, so that's kind of my, where I kind of got started as an educator and then... Um, what we work, what we work on now is what we have two things we work on is one is the hundred dollar MBA. Like you mentioned, the hundred dollar MBA show is a podcast that's daily seven days a week, as well as a, a webinar platform called webinar ninja. So those two projects really keep my hands full. I love it. I love it. You've, you've been extremely consistent. You just mentioned uh, your podcast is daily seven days a week and you just reached 600 episodes. Well, over 600 episodes. Congratulations on that. And uh, what's the secret to your consistency? Oh, th- thanks for the con- congratulations. That means a lot to me. Um, secret. Uh, it's, it's just, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I think you have to commit. And what I always say is that you have to, you have to plan for what you want. Like, I, it's not enough for me to say, you know, I want to have a, you know, a long lasting podcast or, you know, 100 episodes, whatever it is, whatever your goal is, whatever it is, if you're producing consistent content and um, you have to plan for it. Like, I actually have to put it on the calendar and say, I'm going to do this at this time. And then when that time comes, I actually do it. You know, that that's really what it takes is that discipline planning for that the action to happen. Um, most of us, we don't get to that point. We usually just say, you know, because I'm speaking out of experience because I wasn't always consistent. I just, I just, um, you know, I just basically said, hey, let's do this. I'll, while the momentum was hot, while I was motivated, it was easy. And then when things got hard, I kind of never did it because I never actually dedicated the time, planned it out and saw it as like, this is my job. This is my work. This is what I got to go and do. This is where I have to kind of, uh, you know, kind of hit that, that, uh, that part of my day. So that's kind of what I've got out of the consistency. The other thing is, you know, one of the hidden gems or the hidden benefits I got out of the hundred dollar MBA show and still get out of it is because there's so much on my plate. Like I'm, I have to produce so many episodes and they have to be high quality, things like that. I'm too busy to worry about it being perfect. I'm too busy, uh, to compare myself to somebody else. You know, you just, that, 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 that that commitment and also the the amount of work you got to do allows you just to get on with it rather than worry about you know the particulars. 
Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And and you just mentioned that that you you were studying to be a teacher, right? And uh, yeah, I was a teacher for quite some time. Yeah, so so I can I can clearly feel how clearly you express your thoughts and like how structured your your podcast episodes are. But why did you choose tech industry? How did you find a path to it? That's a good question. Actually, I was just scratching my own itch. I mean, uh, I was doing webinars uh, for our own community at the Hundred Dollar MBA, and I just wasn't happy with the tools I was using. You know, it was just really hard. I mean, this is about two and a half years ago, uh, and you know, you'd have to get a landing page software, then you had to figure out what you're going to use for video, whether it's Hangouts or GoTo or something, and then you had to embed some sort of chat on the page, and then you had to do some order responders from your email, and there's like all these things you had, to, all these moving parts that often didn't work together, and it was just such a headache. I thought, there's got to be an easier way to do this, you know. So I actually just made a very minimal viable uh, product and uh, just ran my webinars with it. No intention of really making it a business until people started asking, can we buy it? And I quickly realized there's some sort of demand. We kind of did a minimal viable launch of opening it up to just 150 users and were able to sell out in a couple of days, which is something that really surprised me. We realized, okay, there's there's a need here. People are experiencing a pain I can solve. And um, we continued to open and close it for some time to, to validate that idea and refine the idea. So, uh, you know, it's funny because... I don't really believe I'm in the tech industry. I think I started out by saying I'm a problem solver. And, you know, I just use technology to solve a problem. You know, I try to, it's not really the technology that solves the problem. It's the implementation of the technology is what solves the problem. Like, you know, the reason why Facebook is around and MySpace and Friendster and all that stuff is never, never, it's not to be found anymore is because it's the same concept, it's still a social media uh, network. But um, Facebook's implementation of the technology was superior, and that's why they're still here. So I, I think we got to think in broader terms if we want to be have a successful, you know, product or service. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And and my next question is actually from that superior superior uh, execution implementation. So, what is your definition of design? Because uh, as I understand, you understand design is not only visual. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even even with the visual, I mean, I'm a big proponent of starting with with words. This is a something that I learned from a friend of mine named Justin Jackson, um, and uh, he he wrote this beautiful blog post called Words, um, and uh, and I'm a big believer in that. That design is supposed to augment your message. You know, whether it's a website or the design or implementation of a software. You know, whatever the purpose of your product is, your design is supposed to support that purpose. The design itself is not the product, you know? So anytime you start designing something, start with words. Start with communicating what you're trying to communicate, whether that's a website page or the implementation of an app or whatever it is. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting because a lot of people think that design is the end-all and be-all, meaning the visual, just the visual. But the essence of a great design is that you don't even notice it, is that you, it just helps whether it's the reader on the web page or the person who's using the, the, the app or the, you know, one of the, my favorite, one of my favorite um, easy to use apps is Spotify, right? And I can't tell you in my head right now what the design looks like exactly. I can't remember. And that's great. That means the design is getting out of the way. That means that the design is helping me just use the software so I can listen to music. That's all I want to do, you know? So that's my definition of superior design. I love it. I love it. And and you mentioned Spotify, Facebook, and there are these companies like Airbnb, Facebook, they're they're just killing with design. 
Why do you think today's startups are so successful and, and they're looking so good? And like, as you mentioned, you just don't notice the design. You just get to, to do the, the, the work you want to do. Um, I'm actually learning this as I go now. I'm actually learning this in the last few years. And I think it's just iteration and understanding what your goal is, um, what, what you're trying to accomplish or what, what, how you're serving your customers or your users. So, for example, with Webinar Ninja, you know, the biggest pain with webinars is putting it together. You know, so my goal is if I can get somebody to put a webinar or create a webinar in seconds uh, that's professional, that does everything for them, they don't have to do anything else except show up for the webinar, then I win. And that means they win too, and therefore I win again because they'll run the webinar, they'll enjoy it, they'll continue to use my SaaS product. And that's the whole point of you know uh, a SaaS uh, business is to have reoccurring, re reoccurring revenue. So for me, it's all about how do you how do you create this design that will help the user accomplish its goal. And I think that these companies have really understood this very well. They listen to users, they see how they use it, they see the things they don't use it. Um, we mentioned Facebook. Um, one thing, a friend of mine, Noah Kagan, who runs AppSumo, he was employee 30 at Facebook, and I was um, reading some things he wrote, and he mentioned that um, one of the things that he really admired about Mark Zuckerberg is that he didn't have an emotional um, attachment to uh, features and Facebook itself. He wanted to succeed, but if he found that a feature was not being used, he would just can it. Even if they took three months to create that feature, they'd say, forget it, throw that out remove that feature because it's not serving the purpose of the actual software or the actual platform. So I think that's kind of where we're heading is just listening to your users, refining, improving. And this is something that I've learned along the way. Yeah, it's, it's very important to really separate yourself from your work because it doesn't really define you. And, uh, and many designers, like including myself, would get very, very offensive or like very personal when someone says about something, something about your work. So I think that's uh, that's a very valuable lesson to learn. Yeah, that's a tough one because a lot of us, we're very sensitive when it comes to our products, our, our design, what we do. Um, but you have to remind yourself, and this is something I have to remind myself all the time, is that I'm not creating this for myself. You know, I'm not creating this so I can just look at it in my house and feel good about myself. I'm creating it for an audience. So if I'm not serving them, then why am I creating it? You know, like if I'm going to get all defensive every time I have to change something, then I'm in the wrong business. You know, you're not, you, you shouldn't be in business, period. <laughs> you know, you, you're supposed to be serving people. So uh, I think if you look at that perspective, kind of like you're not creating this for yourself, you're creating it for others, it helps you be able to take on feedback. And not all feedback is equal. You know, when I say, you know, look at what your users do, that's literal. You have to see what they do, how they use your app. Actions speak louder than words. You know, people could say, oh, I would love to have this feature. It'd be fantastic. You put on that feature and they don't even use it. So like, you have to see how they actually utilize your software, how you can improve that, and also have a mission with what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, totally makes sense. You've launched numerous products and hosted tons of events. What are the conversion lessons you learned? Because you mentioned like very good design words, and what are the other tips and tricks that you learned along the way? Uh, the number one lesson I learned, and this is something that if you can fully grasp and really just completely agree with and, and come to terms with, it can really save you a lot of time and money. And that it's, it's nothing, it has nothing to do with traffic. Traffic is not your problem. Your problem is the conversion, right? You need to make sure that you convert as high as possible, even if you have five people coming to your website and you're trying to convert a sale or whatever it is, right? I know that sounds very little. Five people. If you get five people a day to your website... And, you know, you can get one, you know, that's 30 customers a month. That's a start. That's great. 
you know, but most people are not converting at 20%. That's crazy conversion. That's a really good conversion, right? So you have to really just focus on really how you can maximize the time that you have with that visitor. When anybody comes to your website or whatever you're trying to convert to, you know, whether you're trying to convert a Facebook ad into a lead or whatever it is, you have to think to yourself, I have a moment in time right now to get this person to say yes to whatever I'm offering, whether it's free or paid or whatever, right? So what I try to do is I really try to win them over. Um, one of the things that we're releasing very soon, it'll probably be released by the time this episode is out, is a course on Webinar Ninja that's called the Ultimate Webinar Course, right? This is a full webinar course that is valued at exactly like um, a paid program that are out there. There's a lot of paid programs that are out there that this course will blow it out of the water and it's going to be absolutely free. It's a full seven-day program with tons of videos. It's all laid out. The curriculum is written out so it's perfectly so people know how to you know, build a webinar, create one, launch one, market it, how to do follow-up sequences after. You know, it's just a, a complete webinar course and it can, people can use this course whether they use our software or not. But the point here is, is that the reason why I put so much time and effort into building out this course that I can normally charge money for and sell it is because conversions mean so much to me. I want people to land on a page and say, what? All you want is my email address for this course? Man, I'll give you my firstborn for this. You know, like whatever. Like they just, it's just a crazy deal. Like uh, this is nuts. That's how you convert. And that's how, because right now we're so bombarded with all this different kind of information. You know, people don't want to be on another email list and get spammed. You know, you really have to stand out and really have to like, hit them with some amazing value and they're going to be like, that's going to compel them to really sign up. Otherwise, you're going to be wasting a lot of time and money. So just focus on conversions and the traffic will take care of itself. Because once you convert, you're going to make money and then you can spend money on traffic. Yeah, I love, I love that uh, firstborn uh, thingy. <laughs> pro, pro, <laughs> probably yeah, probably I, sh I should also commit to, to, to give my children for good stuff. <laughs> that's a good one. Anyway, uh, I really like how you how you look into your customers, and and I agree that it doesn't really matter how big your audience is. Your your goal is the same to serve people. So so that's a that's a good example how you can just focus on conversions and try to get as many people as uh, as, as possible. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, you did a lot of like product launches and a lot of webinars. What was the hardest decision you ever made with these things, like creating and then and producing things? I mean, the, the $100 MBA show and the $100 MBA has been a very, you know, in my, in my book, a very successful kind of project. And it's been really rewarding and fun and be able to kind of build that out. But in terms of challenging Webinar Ninja, the webinar platform, my SaaS business, it's been the biggest challenge of my life because, you know, software has so much power to really move people and be able to solve problems. But at the same time, you got to play it right. You have to really implement things properly. Um, so one of the biggest decisions I have to constantly make is, you know, control the growth. You know, I, I've I've grown it very slowly, uh, iterated very slowly. Um, you know, we're actually in, in a, this month in May we're launching Webinar Ninja 4.0, which is our biggest update yet, and it's supposed to, you know, it's going to be really exciting. And part of that process is knowing and accepting the fact that you, you can't sell this thing right now to everybody that wants to buy. Like right now we close sales because we want to, we like to focus on the users we have, make sure they win, make sure they do well with webinars, see how we can improve the software and then open it up again to the public um, once we have launched the new update. And, you know, I get people emailing me and say, I, I, I want to do a webinar tomorrow. Can I, can I, can you get me through the back door? And it's just like, you have to say no to a sale. Because you have to stick to what you want to do. You want to be able to give them a product 
that is superior. You know, for me to say yes, and then they're going to be upgraded in you know a couple weeks, and they have to learn the new UI and all that stuff. And to me, it's just going to be a little bit more of a confusing task. So the challenges I'm always making is just saying, hey, I want to have a little bit more of a controlled environment with sales because there's a whole bunch of things when it comes to software. One, it's it's maintenance, it's scaling your servers, it's scaling your response time, it's customer service. You got to make sure your customer service are rock star. You know, I can't just all of a sudden open the doors and then within weeks have thousands of customers and can't serve them. You know, that's that's an easy way for you to go out of business because people badmouth you. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take much for you to get a bad, you know, a bad reputation in the market. So you have to have this kind of mentality and and in the internet world a lot of us we just want to like open up the doors, sell as much as you can, have a crazy launch, da 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 da. Um that's easy when you're selling a course when it doesn't really require much you know, a scaling or, or, or manpower to scale. But when it comes to software, it's a different animal, it's a different beast, and you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for the people that are actually your current buyers as well as those who will buy in the future. Yeah, so it's it's very important to just say no, right? When you have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And, and, and I like how you just stay true to yourself once you, once you decide on something. You got to just uh, really stick to it and, 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 and make things happen. So that's a very valuable lesson. What, uh, what inspires you on, on a daily basis and for, for like your projects? And uh, I can feel that it's audience that you serve, but is there anything else? Uh, I, I actually, you know, the audience is something I definitely have in my mind. I, I want to be able to help them. But, you know, anybody who builds, builds anything, whether they have a podcast, they have a show, they have a course, they have software, they have a physical store, a restaurant, they'll be lying to themselves if they said that, they just do it for the other for other people. They, they do it for themselves. I do this for myself. I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about, to me, the road to mastering what I'm doing, to becoming a master at what I do, at becoming better at what I do, to you know improve my craft. That has its own sweetness, you know, of just trying to get better, uh, you know, learning, improving, growing. That alone is just it's it's a blessing, really, to just be able to do that. Most people get into entrepreneurship because they don't have that in their life, you know, because they work at a job that is not rewarding, that doesn't help them grow, that they don't respect their boss, they don't respect their colleagues. You know, a lot of people, they just are frustrated with their situation. And when you run your own business or you run your own project or whatever you do, or you're a freelancer, you know, you're, you're constantly, I always equate it to like martial arts. Like when you, martial arts, are like whether you're learning like jujitsu or whatever, it's, it's a th- something you do for life or yoga. You know, it's a practice you do for life. And every time you hit that yoga mat or that, you know, martial art mat or whatever, the karate mat, you know, you you go to the mat with this intention of I'm going to get a little bit better. And that's the same thing I feel when I get on the mic for a podcast or when I'm launching a new product or when I'm trying to you know, iterate and, and, and launch a new version of Webinar Ninja, whatever it is, is that I want to get closer and closer to becoming better and becoming what I would consider, you know, a master. I want, I want to have a legacy once it's all said and done that actually helps people that I could say they look back and say, yes, I did something significant in my life. I did something that was worth it, worth noting um, and something that makes me feel that you know I've accomplished something that has value. And for me, that's what kind of keeps me going is that constant improvement and that chance to improve. You know, Even when things are hard and they're challenging and you have you know, problems in your business or you're dealing with a hater or whatever it is, you know, these are opportunities for you to say, hey, how am I going to take on this challenge? How am I going to improve? How am I going to come out the other side a better person? Um, and I feel like even if, whether you recognize it or not, these are things that we love about running a business. I can completely relate to that. Very inspiring. How would you define success 
and your mentioned mastery. Do you think you have found it yet? Oh, wow. I don't think success is like a station in life. Like, oh, I've made it to success. I think, and I think that success needs to be defined by everybody's, you know, every, every individual has to define their own success. You know, um, this is something that I just truly believe in because, you know, you, you're always growing as a person um, and you should be growing, you know, you should be challenging yourself. So that, that milestone of success is something that should be changing as you grow, you know, because when you were four, success was, you know, being able to write your name. You know, that's success to you, like when you're four, but that's not success anymore, right? So you got you to gotta keep evolving. You got to keep changing. So this idea of like, I'm successful, like you got you to gotta have more of an aspiration in life. And for me, mastery is just something that it's a way of life. You know, like, I, you know, one of the things I really want to pick up is, is, uh, is music. I want to pick up how to, I want to learn how to play the piano just because I love that analogy of being able to like not have, not know anything about the piano. I don't know anything about the keys or reading music or anything like that. And I want to start a path of just learning how to just be decent at piano, then a little bit better, a little bit better, you know. And it's just, it's, it, there is no end goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I remember when I was younger, I used to always feel like, oh, I got to get there in anything in life. If it's going to the gym, like, oh, when I get this body or whatever, then I've made it, I'm whatever. How about just enjoying yourself and enjoying the journey? How about just going to the gym to be healthy? What about just going to the gym? And it just makes you feel better and it's just realized that the journey is the destination. Like the whole point of you doing anything is to be one of those people. And there's a small story I want to I share with you that I really love sharing because it just drives this point home. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, you know, uh, when he was when he was starting out in comedy and stand up, he got up in in front of a crowd, and this is his first time he's getting in front of the crowd to do his his bit, his set. And he does it, and he completely bombs, and people just think he's horrible. He gets off the stage, and the person that's behind the stage, you know, uh, that's going to go up next says, "Hey, man, I'm really sorry that went so bad." And Jerry said, "No, that had a blast. That was great." And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you bombed. He's like, oh, whatever. I'll just get up tomorrow. Like, tomorrow I'll do another set. Who cares? And for him, he's like, the success was not doing well or getting laughs. The success is being one of those guys. I'm one of those guys now. I'm a comedian now, you know, because I'm doing comedy. So to him, he was successful, you know, and he knew that tomorrow I have another shot at it. I can, I can, you know, I can make him laugh tomorrow, maybe the next day or next year or whatever it is. But I love that story because to him, it's not about, it's not about getting the laughs or getting the Emmy or whatever. It's about being one of those guys, being a comedian. Wow, that's that's a very inspiring story. And and recently, I was just uh, looking into my like routines and my habits. And and as you mentioned, just I'm exercising because it just really feels good. And I'm uh, I'm I'm looking every day forward into that day because I know I'm gonna go exercise. Then I'm gonna take a shower. I feel fresh. I feel energized. Then I'm gonna work. And I'm writing not because you know someone will read it. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, it's just me reading, or like I, I I don't even publish it, but just writing it, writing it down, you know, laying laying words down, and uh, and then having that feeling of achievement for me, it's it's the it's the the process. So so thank you for sharing that, and I can totally relate to that. Thank you. All right, Omar. So what is what is next for you and uh, for Webinar Ninja and for your huge, super successful podcast. 
<laughs> well, you know, things keep going with the $100 MBA show. Every single day we have a daily lesson. Um, we're going to continue to try to give everybody um, a new, fresh business lesson that's straight to the point. With Webinar Ninja, it's it's developing. It's becoming better than I've ever thought it would ever be. I'm very excited about the launch of uh, Webinar Ninja 4.0 that's coming out this month in May, um, as well as that course I mentioned, the Ultimate Webinar course, which is going to be absolutely free. Um, you know, for, for me... I always struggle with this question, to be honest with you, like what's next? Because a lot of what I do is very long term, you know, like I, I and and it's just like trying to take it to the next level, trying to improve it, trying to, you know, help a little bit more. Um, but uh, those are the things that are in the horizon on the things that I'm working on right now. Um, hopefully, uh, I'll be able to serve anybody uh, that has any of those, you know, those struggles, whether it's with business or, you know, selling and, and presenting on webinars. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you very much, Omar, for, for today, for taking time and sharing your stories, your experience and knowledge. You're extremely positive and educational uh, entrepreneur, and I'm looking forward to what you're going to create next. And I was very excited to connect with you today. So now I can say I'm one of them now, one of the podcasters. And uh, just thank you very much for your time and for everything you do. Well, the honor is mine, Tom. Thank you so much for you know allowing me to be a part of your audience, be a part of what you do, be part of your day. You know, um, your work is inspiring, you know, your writing and, and the fact that you just keep on pushing yourself and you recently moved to, to Thailand, which is beautiful. And, you know, that's that's not a bad day, bad way to start the day. So uh, congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. The one and only Omar Zanholm. Thank you. There you have it. Thank you very much for joining me today in this episode. I hope you enjoyed and learned from it as much as I did. Thank you for today's guest. Please make sure to go to Despreneur, subscribe to the email list to get updates about the upcoming episodes and inspiring stories from design, technology, and entrepreneurship fields. Subscribe to the Despreneur podcast on the iTunes and please leave an honest review. It really helps me to understand how I can improve and serve you better. It also helps other people to discover this podcast. I appreciate your time and feedback. Please let me know if you have any questions or suggestions. You can reach me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I love connecting with you. Thanks again and bye until the next time.